1: Hi, you're listening to the AI in Action podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Today we're speaking with Rasmus, co-founder and CTO of Morantix. Rasmus comes from a deep learning and academia background and made the move to industry three years ago. Welcome to the show, Rasmus. Hi, hey, Anthony. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Morantix?
2: Yeah, so we started Morantix three years ago here in Berlin, in Germany. Um, it's an AI company and what we really focus on is bridging the gap between research and industry. So what we do is we we incubate companies for one to two years and make sure uh, they have the best researchers on board to really understand the tech and be able to put that into the product, but also have some commercial people in the team focusing on on really bringing the product to the market. And At the moment, we have um, three companies we are working on. One is in the healthcare space, one is in the automotive space, and one is more like an exploratory arm.
1: Excellent. And how are you using AI to, to add value to those companies.
2: So in the healthcare case, we use AI on radiological images, basically trying to support doctors in making less mistakes and also working more efficiently when, when they look at radiological images. And so our algorithm looks at those images, tries to understand them very well and tries to, to find you know, suspicious cases, and then that will help the doctor to, to do his job much better. And um, our actual product is not just an algorithm, but is a whole workflow solution. So the doctor can log into our software and can see his or her daily work, um, can, can look at the images and basically get supported by our algorithms to, 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 to do his daily
1: job. Okay, that's a very, uh, very interesting product. Mm-hmm. Now, actually, I can see how it's relevant to the, to the health tech industry. Would that be relevant to any other industries or could you use that for any other applications in the future?
2: Yeah, I think you could. I mean, right now we are focusing on mammography within, even within radiology. So already there is a lot of uh, room to, to expand the product into other image modalities, say MRI or CT. Um, and you could also take it beyond radiology into pathology. Um, and yeah, I think that, that product is focused on the, on the healthcare market. But obviously a lot of learnings we, we take from, from that specific venture we are building we can transform to other industries because um, you, know, you, have, you, have, you have to work with large images, you need to just basically detect suspicious or interesting regions in those images and um, in order to do that you need to already have a huge annotation process before that where basically expert doctors will look at those images, mark mark certain regions so that the algorithms can learn from that. And so a lot of these steps in, in the pipeline could actually be used in also other industries. And, that's also a bit the idea of Merantix, that we basically have this company very focused on solving one specific uh, problem and being very good at that. But um, our other companies, which will always be in different industries, can basically learn from each other. And because they're never competing with each other, because they're sort of different clients, there is a very open and collaborative culture at Merantix.
1: Okay, interesting. And course, I suppose what what you have as a unique product there, I suppose what makes it more unique is that you're actually um, Talking to doctors a lot, like, have you ever come across any challenges with your product? Talking to the doctors, explaining how it works or, or why it works?
2: Yeah, I think, I think what's, what's been really important for us. I mean, the team has like around close to 20 people right now is, um, they have a very interdisciplinary team internally. So we have a few very experienced medical doctors on board. We have people who are very experienced on the regulatory side of certifying such products you know you have the researchers who are very strong on the, the algorithm sides and have a strong academic background there um, and you also have commercial people who are like very much focused on, on the interaction with with the, with the partners and, and clients and so I think um, what's been definitely helping us a lot is to have this interdisciplinary team and then also um, to not just have computer scientists trying to sell to doctors but to have also doctors involved in this whole process so they actually realize that Uh, you're kind of from their
1: field. Yeah, that was one thing that I suppose interested to find more out about is how do you tell a doctor that's been using his own eye to process these images for as long as time uh, to saying, hey, we now have a computer that can do it. Um, I suppose, is there any other challenges that that you faced with this product, building the application? Or I suppose, what would you class as your biggest challenges in, in, in AI at the moment?
2: Yeah, I think I think there the biggest challenge is actually exactly this fact that it's so interdisciplinary that just because you're like strong on the algorithmic side and you know can it build an algorithm which like looks at medical imagery, medical images, um, that's not enough. And like you know a lot of the algorithms are now being commoditized and open source and they' public data sets. So it's pretty easy to, to get something on the public data set working in a couple of days. But that's still very far from having a real product. And so, if people think about building companies, um, they need to think about okay, yeah, for the on the algorithmic side, like how do we actually create it so robust that we can sell it as a product? But then also um, have some domain experts in the field. In our case, doctors and other industries would be other people, um, commercial people, and make sure you have you know this very interdisciplinary team uh, talking a lot to each other and not working in silos because. Also, the business person or the doctor needs to understand a lot about the algorithm and algorithms and also the limitations of those. And I think that's, that's kind of a constant challenge. It's not, I wouldn't say it's like a one-off challenge, you solve once, but I think you need to constantly make sure that basically every, that everybody in the team understands what's going on because it's it's a very complex topic. And basically regulatory topics are influencing what you build on the algorithmic side and what you build on the algorithmic side depends on what medically makes sense and um, the the business people will also have some impact on this because they in the end need to sell it so you, you need to keep have them talking all the time and i think that's that's something we work on a lot and we need to make sure that it's work, it's working
1: and i think um something that's going to impact AI a lot in the future is definitely going to impact your business we people talk about it a lot ai ethics like how do you see that's going to impact your business yeah i think i think
2: i think it's a very very important topic I think people need to keep in mind that you know in the healthcare space and you know, medical imaging, for example, there are a lot of things doctors just miss at the moment um, because you know they're very stressed and also the task is very hard. And so, if there is software which helps doctors to make less mistakes, I think this, this you know this is making lives for everyone better. And um, similarly, in what we do in the autonomous automotive space, where we work on testing solutions for autonomous driving, so helping autonomous cars to make less mistakes. I mean, that's if you make you know if you make a step forward there that will actually save lives. And so I think it's generally, um, I think this, you know, ethics about algorithms are very important. Um, there are a lot of kind of more theoretical discussions you can have, like say the trolley problem or something. Um, but ultimately I think you always need to come back to the basics and be like, Hey, this thing is, we build it to improve our lives and it's not, it's not a mean machine, it's something which will make our lives
1: better. And you mentioned you, you're doing some autonomous driving projects us a little bit more
2: about those yeah sure so there so the things with, with autonomous driving it's been there's been a lot of you know efforts in, the, in this field a lot of money being invested in the last couple of years and you know obviously the system gets get better but it's still very hard to make an autonomous car really robust it's it's again similar to medical imaging it's not that hard to build an autonomous car summer works like there are a lot of research labs you know universities doing doing that in, in projects but it's it's ridiculously hard to to make a car which is very robust in difficult weather conditions or you know difficult complex traffic situations and um because there's a lot of stuff which can happen in the street that's very unconstrained and so um that is definitely still an open problem and there's not like a single solution but there are a lot of angles from which you can tackle this problem of of making the system more robust and so what we work on is testing solutions it's basically kind of a software which you can apply to an autonomous driving software and it will tell you what will work and what doesn't work and how you can improve it. Um and so that's very interesting because it can help car companies to move faster in their, their space and their development cycle. Um but ultimately it can also be like a second opinion on their system, be like, hey, you know, yeah, you tested the system yourself, but we found here maybe some other problems you haven't seen yet. Um and it probably is good to fix them because Once you put the cars in the street with the new software, you know, things kind of might go wrong.
1: So we spoke a bit about uh, ethics in AI. You yourself involved in politics, uh, particularly around Germany. How does that defer to, I suppose, AI in the US
2: or AI in China? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, like a bit more than a a year ago with a few other entrepreneurs, we were thinking about like pushing AI more in Germany because I think there are a few industries um, like manufacturing, like historically the car industry, um, maybe also some some more government stuff where um, Germany and Europe is, should be in a really good position to generate a lot of data and also build AI companies around it. And so uh, we started this uh, German association of AI companies. We're close to 150 companies now. Um, and that's mostly startups and small-medium businesses in, in Germany um, trying to basically... Improve the environment here in in Germany and Europe for for those cost uh, companies to basically you know grow and have the right you know access to data access to financing um, regulation those kind of topics and that's been that's been good I think Germany has published the the German AI strategy um, last year now it's about um, the ideas there are generally very good um, I think now the key is like do they actually execute them like very soon or only in like three to five years because um, also referring to your questions, I think Germany and Europe is stepping behind on AI compared to the U.S. and China. But as I said before, we have certain industries I think where we could potentially have an advantage because we, for example, have a very strong manufacturing industry. We have very high quality medical data. Um, so um, if in the next one or two years, you know, Germany, and Europe, you know, make sure the environment is right, and then I think there can be some some very successful companies here also out of Germany and,
1: and Europe. And so look, it's clearly twenty eighteen was a, was a big year for you at Morantix. Um, moved into a new office. Uh, yesterday, this week, what what does twenty nineteen have in store for you?
2: Yeah, I think I think I think you know twenty eighteen it's been pretty good for us. I think twenty nineteen is now the healthcare venture is going to the market. The automotive team is growing quite a lot. We are also now with Morantix, um, potentially starting, um two or three new ventures in different industries. So we're looking at a bunch of stuff right now. Um, because we've been really seeing that our model of having, you know, several companies being incubated and sharing a lot of knowledge has pushed them all uh, and accelerated them basically. And so I think we can, we're we not this year thinking about how to scale the model.
1: Excellent. And I suppose if we're talking about AI machine learning as a whole, what trends do you see coming forward in 2019? Yeah, I think there are a few interesting
2: trends. So I think one one interesting trend which has been going on for one or two years, but I think will accelerate is the whole space of generation of, of, of data. So if you think about like, you know, like a few years ago was a lot of big focus on you know object detection, image classification and these computer vision, but basically building machine learning algorithm that can work on, on labeled data. Um, in the last, you know, one, two years there's been a lot of work on for example, GANs, generative adversarial networks, which can basically generate images or data which looks like real data. And so I think there will be even more development and will be interesting to see also how that then uh, plays into kind of um, generating real or fake content and differentiating between the two because it's going to get harder and harder. I think that's, that's a big trend. I think, you know, I think also on the research side, people start looking more into these robustness topics, um, kind of, the first wave was like like a few years ago was really about showing that the algorithms um, work and proving that on like data sets. And I think now people realize, hey, this stuff actually works really well. Now let's try to make sure it also work, works well on all these corner cases, and we maybe also better understand why it works. And so kind of, like kind of, once the performance is there, you want to look a bit behind the scenes and really understand um what's going on so that's I think an interesting action and the third one which is less researchy more i guess commercial is i think in a lot of industry like healthcare like automotive um but also maybe in back office automation manufacturing and so on we will just see more and more applications uh moving beyond kind of the POC prototype stage to like a real product actually being used in, in commercial workflows and i think that's really cool to see this in reality running. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's finally, finally coming, coming out of hype into, into actualization. Um, I suppose, is there any sort of particular applications you can see that will affect you or, or affect, I suppose, the the general public in AI? Not necessarily in 2019, but I suppose in the next couple of years? Yeah. I
2: think this whole topic of like real and fake content will become bigger because, or you know, you can generate images which look like real, uh, even though they're fully generated. So. If you can't like distinguish anymore as a human whether this is actual data an actual photo generated by like a machine, that's gonna be interesting and that's gonna gonna open up some challenges. I think you know with, with autonomous driving, um, I think we will see quite some progress because there are a lot of people working there. Um, healthcare, I mean, um, we will see this stuff more and more in, in practice and deployment. Um, so yeah, I think it's. I think it's not like. You never know about like on the research side if there will be a sudden breakthrough, but I think a lot of these com- you know applications in practice, they're just a ton of hard work. So it's not like I see there more like more incremental progress of now taking what's out there and putting them in the product and then scaling that.
1: Look, that's all the questions I have for you today, Rasmus. Um, you're listening to the AI in Action podcast. Today's guest was Rasmus, the CTO and co-founder of Mirantix. Rasmus, thank you for your time.
2: Thanks for the interview, thanks.
0: AI in Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. For more information, contact mark at aldus.com. Get the Aldus Advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI Meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to Aldis members. And don't forget our AI on Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career and more. Become an Aldis member and get the Aldis advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldis.com. Dot .com that's www.allus.com allus international empowering through ai